0: We are, we are sowing truth. That's, that's, the, that's the seed that we're putting into the ground is truth, and we're expecting to reap a harvest. Third John chapter one verse four says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Amen, if you're a Christian parent, there is nothing in this life more important than to know that your children. We're going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm thankful that God gave Jeannie and I the privilege of raising three wonderful children. All three of them love the Lord and serve the Lord. My grandchildren, following right in their footsteps. We are really, truly blessed. You know. But part of that was because we lived it in front of them. We didn't live one way at church and a different way at home. There was a consistency in our walk, and they saw that. And it was a testimony, because your witness is more than just what you say. Amen? Come on. Yes. It's everything in your life. And, and they're watching, and they're soaking it in. They're little sponges soaking it all in. Brother Gig, could you catch that back door for me, if you would, please? <clears throat> but sadly, there are children in the modern-day church today that don't walk in truth. Because not every church in modern-day Christianity, what is called Christianity, teaches the truth, and, and therefore the children don't walk in it. And the reason that they don't walk in it is because they're not being taught the truth, and they're not being taught the truth because the people that should be teaching them don't teach them the truth. They don't. Sometimes they don't even know the truth themselves. And furthermore, it, I, I'm, I'm taking a leap here, but it almost seems like they don't even care whether the children are be taught to the truth or or what's going to happen to the next generation it matters to us what happens to the next generation now we know that in a lot of cases people don't care about the next generation we know that's true in the world church when America's got a 30 trillion dollar debt and it's climbing they don't care about the next generation just so we're having a good time now They don't care about the next generation. But the question is, is that true in the church? Now, if you look with me at 2 Kings in chapter 20, we see that this is a spirit that's been around for a very, very long time. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1, it says, And in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. Verse two, and he turned his face towards the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth, and with a loyal heart, and have done what was right in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out in the middle of the court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer, and I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David." Verse 7, then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs so that they, they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? And Isaiah said, this is the sign that, from the Lord and the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forth 10 degrees or go backwards 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it's easy, an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees, but do not let the shadow go backwards 10 degrees. So Isaiah, the prophet, cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backwards. Come on, the sun stopped and moved backwards at his request, by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. In verse 12 it says, at that time, Baradach Baladad, the son of Beladad, king of Babylon, sent letters and, and uh, a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices, the precious ornaments, and all of his armory. All that was found among his treasures, there was nothing in his house or in all of his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Hezekiah the prophet went to King, I mean Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came from a far country from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered. They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that, they, that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your father has accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be less, says the Lord. For they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Are you hearing this, church? The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, will there not be peace and truth at least in my day? hmm father your word is yes and amen god it's timeless and lord that same spirit god even in a good man Isaiah, hezekiah was a good king but lord there was something in there that needed to die god and it didn't and it was revealed in his last days and father i fear that that same attitude that same spirit and that same heart it's in the hearts of people today And, Father, we need to see it, recognize it, turn from it, repent of it, God. And be sure, God, that we are right before you. Lord, David used to always say, God, search me, O Lord, and see if there be any unclean thing in me. And, Lord, we can learn from the lessons that's in Scripture, Lord. And we don't want the same thing to happen to our sons and our daughters. So, God, teach us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hezekiah was foolish in the way that he addressed this situation, in the way that he governed his nation in that respect. Because there are some things that's on a need-to-know basis. And the Babylonians didn't need to know all the secrets of the kingdom. They didn't know, need to know where all the treasuries were. And, they, I mean, they're in there spying out the land, and he's showing them where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are, where the treasures are, if they're worth even coming after or not he said there was nothing in the kingdom that he didn't show them and they didn't need to know those things there are certain secrets of the kingdom our enemy should not know China shouldn't be buying property next door to our military bases look if you lost your mind they're not there because they want to raise corn They're there to spy on our military. Duh. Duh. I think John Hagee had it right. He said either the dumbest people in the human race is leading our nation, or they're doing exactly what they intend on doing. I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you that it's foolish. It's foolish. Some of the things that's happening in the way it's being governed. Not only was he foolish, but he was selfish and self-centered because he told him the days are coming that everything your fathers, everything your forefathers has worked and fought and died for and given to you that you can live and have and be blessed is all going to be taken away. Not only that, but your children that come from your loins are going to be taken and made slaves and your sons are going to be eunuchs in the house of the king. And he says, "It's good, just so I have peace and truth in my day. So what if I sell out the next generation? Who cares? Just so it's good in my day." A national leader at a major Christian group, the conference that Jeannie and I went to, said, "Quote: We need to leave politics out of the pulpit." And across the room, some people said, amen, brother. Some people were applauding him, and I could not restrain myself. It went off like a nuclear explosion inside of me. And I said, sir, I could not disagree with you more. That is totally out of character of God and Scripture. It's not this and that. They're connected throughout all of scripture, God always said, he sent Isaiah to the king for crying out loud. Open your Bible and just look. He always sent the prophet to the political headship. They're connected, they've always been connected. And part of the problem that we have in our nation today is because the church has tried, has been forced to stay out of politics. And it's our duty, our responsibility to be involved in those things. Yes. And I pray that more and more Christians will wake up to the importance of being politically involved. Because simply put, politics makes policy. Policy affects a whole nation and everything and everyone in it. And politics is what makes that. And if you want good, sound, God-centered policy, then we need good, sound, God-centered politicians. Furthermore, we need good, godly Christian people that'll step up and take on the corrupt system of liberal government. Yes. Amen. It's equally important that Christians go to the poll and vote. Yes. Yes. In America, 70% of the American public profess to have a faith and belief in God. 70%. If they would vote their Christian belief convictions, they would decide the outcome of every single election. But Christians stay home. They don't vote. We need Christians that will step up and take on the corrupt system in government. And I believe that God will give people grace to do those things. Now, not everybody could do that, and I'm not telling you necessarily that you need to go out and run for office. You may not have the grace to do that. And if you don't have the grace to do that, you won't be able to stand up under it. I was talking to somebody just yesterday. A young man was telling me about something going on in their family and how they were only trying to help, and they're, all of a sudden they're attacked, and they're just being demonized. And I was like, well, welcome to the world of a pastor. And he said, how do you do it? I said, God gives you the grace. If he doesn't give you the grace, you can't do these things. But God will give you the grace. And there are people in the the faith that love Jesus. They know the word of God. And God will give them the grace to step into that arena and make a difference. But if we ignore this task, we are as selfish as King Hezekiah who said, it's all good at least there will be peace and truth in my day. We're gonna stay in our church house like this man suggested, and just let Satan take over the White House. I don't know about you, but that's unacceptable to me. I have to wonder what the world will look like for our children. Because the policies made by government today is going to affect the world our children grow up in tomorrow. And buying into the demonic strategy of separating Christian life from politics will only ensure that the world we leave, our children, will be much darker than the world that we have all enjoyed. It's a demonic strategy, and I don't care who said it. I don't care what his title is. I don't care what the degree is in front of his name. He don't know what he's talking about. What is the world going to look like for our children? And do we even care? Are we like Hezekiah that he said, it's good as long as I've got peace and truth in my day. But if you're like me, I'm deeply concerned about the future that we're going to leave for our children. God has given us the responsibility to train them yeah. in the way they should go. Proverbs 22, 6, he tells us, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So then the question is, well, what is the way that they should go? And what does that have to do with politics and our nation? You say, what are you saying, Pastor? Are we supposed to teach our children to be political? Well, there are a number of things that we as citizens of this great nation are responsible for. A nation that is governed by the people. Come on. For the people. Now, just think about that statement. If it's governed by the people, that would be me and you. So is there a responsibility that I have as a citizen of this nation that is supposed to be governed by me and you for me and you? That is a no-brainer answer. Is there a responsibility? Absolutely, there is a responsibility. For every single citizen of this nation, if it's governed by you, for you, then you have a responsibility to be involved in some level in how it's governed. Yes. Does that just make sense to me, or is that? Yeah. That's right. yeah. So it's a, it's a no-brainer question. Should we be involved? Absolutely, we should be involved. We are responsible for electing people into office, people that will guide America in the way she should go. There was a professor in a Princeton College class and the kids in there were complaining about the way the government was ran. And he said, I want a show of hands of how many of you voted in the last election. And about three in the class raised their hand. He said, from the rest of the year, if you did not raise your hand, you cannot complain about your government in this classroom. If you didn't vote, you don't have a say so in how this government's run. Come on now. I'm talking to Christians all around the world. If you don't vote, you have no right to complain about how it's being run. Amen? And if you're sitting here, I love you, but come on, we have a responsibility. How can a person guide a nation in a way that it should go when that person has no idea where he or she is going themselves? We have to ask the question, what or who is guiding them? Come on, if you're in a place where you make the decisions for the rest of our nation, you are guided by something. We are all guided by something. We have a moral compass, or we have something that guides us. And so if they're making decisions that's going to affect you, politics, they make policy, and policy affects all of us. And if they're making the decisions for us that it's going to affect me, I want to know who's guiding you. What's guiding you? Because you will be guided either by Almighty God or another God. It's, black, it's, that, it's that black and white. Joshua told the children of Israel, he said, choose this day whom you will serve. You're either going to serve the gods that our fathers served on the other side of the flood, or you're going to serve these pagan gods of the Amorites in whose land we now dwell. But as for me and my house, we're serving the almighty God. So our politicians, every last one of them are being guided either by almighty God or the gods of the, of the Amorites in whose land, or whatever pagan god is at work in America. Amen? Yes. And they're making the decisions that's going to affect you and I and the next generation. $30 trillion in debt, I don't think God's leading them. I don't think God's economics work like that. If you read the scripture, What does he say? That the lender, that that the borrower is in debt to the lender. He's condemning all of that. We should. I'm a little passionate about this, okay? (laughs) Just stay with me because I'm going somewhere with this. Just let me get this out here. So what is directing and who is guiding this nation? There is a battle that is being fought for the soul of this nation, and it's a battle between demonic forces and the word of the living God. The word of God has been under attack for decades, and while it has been removed from the public view at every turn, the demonic agenda has been promoted and praised and spotlighted at every turn. It's unbelievable how, and, and, and the scripture is true. It says, in the last days they shall call good evil. And evil shall be called good. Church, we are definitely in the last days, amen? Because the demonic agenda is praised, it's spotlighted, it's promoted, and the word of God is trampled and tried to take and, and removed from the public view at every turn. And in this battle, the enemy has succeeded in drawing the attention of the saints of God away from the real source of the battle to focus on the armor and the shield. And he has succeeded in avoiding the killing blow that must find its target deep inside of the armor. Now, I want you to stay with me here. Because when a person dresses up in the armor, you can, you can hit his shield all you want to. You can hit his armor, but until you find the chink in his armor and get inside to what's inside that armor, you're not going to stop him. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities. Everybody say principalities. That is talking about a demonic, high-ranking demonic force, a demonic spirit. Because if you remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed and, the prince, and Michael the archangel came and said, Daniel, I heard your prayer the first day that you prayed, but the prince of Persia withstood me. Yeah. For 21 days there was a battle in the heavens between Michael the archangel and this high-ranking prince, this demon spirit over this political area called Persia. He is a demon assigned to a political area. And in church, I believe that there is a principality in America, and he's big and he's strong. And it was the prayer of Daniel that strengthened Michael to defeat the principalities. It's a spiritual battle. Are you seeing this? We're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's not the politicians in D.C., It's the spirit that guides them, that directs them. That's our fight because we're fighting against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he says we have to take the whole armor of God that you're able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you stand having your loins girded about with truth. What does that tell me? A lying politician cannot take this. He can't win this battle. He can't. He can't win the battle, and I don't care how conservative he is. Just because you're conservative doesn't mean that you, the center of your being is truth. Your blessed plate, the center, the core of what you are, you stand for the truth. And a lying politician cannot lead this nation and win this battle. He said he has to have on the breastplate of righteousness, right in the center of his being has to be a Christ-centeredness. He has to be supported with truth. The center of his being is Jesus Christ. He has to have his feet shod with the gospel of peace. He has to walk in the message of salvation because that's the only thing that can help us is Jesus Christ. Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 16, above all things, he takes the shield of faith. In other words, he can depend on his intellect, his education, his bright ideas. He has to trust in God. It has to be faith. Above all else, take the shield of faith, and then you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. You take the helmet of salvation, that means he keeps his mind fixed on the one who saves He takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He has to pray with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, watching there unto the the perseverance and the supplication for all the saints. Come on, I want politicians to be taking care of the American people instead of going in there a middle-class, middle-income person and coming out a multi-billionaire because they don't care about anybody but themselves. You need to line them all up and fire every other one and tell the rest of them, you got two weeks to get straight or you're fired too. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I hope you're listening. And and then Paul, look at Paul's writing this and he says, verse 19, and as for me, you pray that utterance may be given unto me that I will open my mouth boldly Come on, they need to stand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian, and every decision I make is gonna be what God has directed me to do. Don't be ashamed of, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is righteousness revealed, from faith to faith, and the just will live by their faith in God. Don't be ashamed of who you are. If you're a Christian, say so. He said, Pray for me that I will open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Look at this next verse for I am an ambassador. Wait a minute. You're an ambassador of what and to whom? He's an ambassador of Jesus Christ in the political seat of the Roman Empire. He's in prison in Rome. And he's saying, y'all pray for me that I can open my mouth boldly to all these politicians in the capital of the empire and tell them about God. And it was that boldness in the Apostle Paul and others like him that took the Roman Empire and changed its pagan worship into a Christian worship to Constantine. It makes a difference when you stand up for God. Because God is with you. Yes. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. And if God is for you, the weapons that they formed against you cannot prosper. Yeah. And every tongue that rises against you, you condemn it. Yes. Amen. In Jesus' name. So he said, you pray for me, for I'm an ambassador in bonds. And therein I will speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, church, I believe that Christians need to step up and do our part to fight this spiritual battle. But moreover, we need to prepare the next generation to continue in this fight. Now, how do we do that? We take this serious. Psalm chapter 127, verse 3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. Come on, God wants to inherit something, too what does he inherit these little boogers are standing in the shower saying all my life all I know God's been good good to my soul so if the mountains high the valley lows I'm gonna sing to you God wherever God is up there that's my inheritance that's my inheritance right there that's it children are an inheritance of the Lord they're the fruit of the womb is his reward and these little boogers are like arrows in the hand of mighty men. So are the children of thy youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. And church, we are so incredibly blessed. We've got dozens and dozens of little arrows in our quiver. Just had an announcement this morning that another one is on the way. we got another demon killing, yeah. devil hating, devil chasing powerhouse of God on the way. History maker. World changer. Amen. Come on. on. The good news is that liberal America is having 46% fewer children on average than conservative Americans. 46%. I'm like, keep it up. At this rate, within 30 years, the liberal movement will self decimate. <clears throat> now, we sit here and hear that as like, thank you, God. There is hope. We're going to outbirth them, we're going to outproduce them. With... But, church, you need to understand this is why there is such a liberal p- uh, push. To transform our children into the ideology that they have through social media. You cannot find God in the social media. All you find is God is bad. Satan is good. They won't say it that way. But good they call evil. And evil they call good. And that's all you find in social media. The public school. Colleges and universities. They want to poison the mind of your children. In an article by AEI, that's the American Enterprise Institute, it's a right-leaning uh, reporting agency, on the subject of fertility among the, the conservatives and the liberals, they said this conservative fertility advantage probably will not give conservatives some inevitable long-term policy edge given the size of the fertility differential between conservatives and liberals it doesn't actually take a large amount of ideology switching to offset this higher birth rate are you hearing me church yeah we're producing more but what are we teaching those little things we're producing we're turning them over to them say you teach them and they are. Thus, while conservatives may wish that their fertility advantage could afford a durable political majority, the hope is probably just as fleeting as the now silly-sounding claims of progressives a decade ago that immigration would create a durable democratic majority. Because, see, they thought that immigration is going to get all kinds of people on their side, but what they found out is a lot of the Latinos that's coming across the border are Catholic, and they believe in family and pro-life. And they find out that the Democrats is all about it pro-abortion. And they're like, uh uh-uh, I'm not going to be a Democrat. You're against God. You voted three times to take God out of your platform. No, I'm not into that because we believe in God. We believe in family. We believe in pro-life. Yes. So the advantage they thought they were going to get from that, they didn't. And the advantage we might think we get from having more children than them is not going to make the difference. If you don't teach them, you don't train them up in the way that they should go. He said, that's because at least right now, conservative parents have not been sufficiently successful in keeping their kids in the full. End quote. Now, understand that not all conservatives are Christians. So, when we talk about Christians and liberal, they're not all Christians if they're conservative. There are a lot of conservatives that are not necessarily Christians. However, most Christians are, most Christians are conservative in their view. I'm conservative in my view. I am not liberal in my view. While conservative, while, while, uh, Conservative parents have not been, quote, sufficiently successful in keeping their children in the fold. The statistics of Christian parents are not as strong as they could be or they should be. We don't keep our children in Christ by being a conservative. We keep our children in Christ by training them up in the way they should go. So what are you saying, Pastor? We're supposed to teach them to be political? That's not what I'm saying. We're supposed to teach them to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Yes. And the second commandment is like unto it. Love your neighbors yourself. If they love God with all their heart, they love God with all their soul, they love God with all their mind, and they love you like they love themselves, and they get into politics, they're going to be more concerned about you than they're going to be concerned about themselves and they're gonna make decisions for this nation thinking about what's good for you, what's good for our country, not what's good for me. Because we've given them a core and a principle, something that guides them. Because everybody up there, every politician is guided by something. Most of it is greed and power, in my opinion. So we need to train them up in the way that they should go because they're little sponges, man. They soak it in and they're they're just everything right now. When they're kids, years ago, I mean, I'm talking about 50 years ago, I read an article where Russia said, give us your children from age one to five and we'll give them back to you and they'll be a communist for the rest of their life. Because they're little sponges. And they're soaking it in. It's one reason the school system is going after the very youngest in their system. They understand this principle. Yeah. Now, I, I, years ago, I looked at homeschoolers, and I'm like, I'm not sure about this. Pulling them out, and their social skills, and those kind of things, I wasn't certain about it. But over the years, I've had time to observe it. I am a big supporter of homeschooling yeah. Today. Now, they've sold me. And after the lockdown in Virginia, I, I believe the enemy boy, he got slapped in the face with that deal. He thought he was going to shut the church down. Brother, right. every time you persecute the house of God and the children of God, it only grows. Right. Like, devil, are you stupid? Well, actually he is, but... <laughs> and when they shut down Virginia homeschooling increased from 44,000 to 65,000 the first year. Now it, it went back the second year to 62,000, but they believed that it's going to continue to increase. The reasons that they cited was Zoom. They didn't like Zoom. They didn't like the mask mandates. And parents didn't like the CRT. That's a critical race theory that was being taught. Critical race theory, that basically says, if you're white, you're automatically a racist. If you're a person of color, you're automatically oppressed. You're inferior. You're less than. Church, I'm white as cotton, and I am not prejudiced. And I know some people of color that are highly successful, intelligent people. They're smarter than I am, much smarter. And they're not oppressed in any way. They excel me in every way. So that's nonsense. And parents didn't like that being taught to their children. But what was not mentioned in the the articles that I read was the curriculum that parents have an issue with. The gender identity issue. Jeannie was just telling me this week about a mother that took a five-year-old child and said, I could see in his eyes that he was painful putting on his clothes. So she subjected that child to, to gender transformation therapy and hormone treatment and altered that poor child for the rest of his life. Church five-year-old, they don't think about that kind of stuff. That doesn't mean cross their mind. They only know what we teach them. They're little sponges and they're gonna absorb what you teach them. Saw it in his eyes that it was painful. That, that is the cruelest thing I think I've ever heard of. That's cruelty. That's child cruelty. It's child abuse. Yes. Amen. Amen. You're right. And I believe in the school system or anywhere, an adult, adult teacher having a conversation with a child about sex is child molestation. Come on. Right. We teach right here in this church. We've had prevention of child molestation ever since the day we opened the church. It's a program we're teaching our new members class. And we teach them what, sex, what child abuse is. Showing a child images or something or inappropriate statements, words, comments that's leading. When you have that kind of conversation with a child, that's child molestation. And teachers are doing this and given a license to do it and encouraged to do it. It's called grooming. You're grooming that child to normalize Inappropriate behavior as a child. It's inappropriate, but they're making it normal and acceptable. Encouraging them to engage in these things and and try this and try that and see if you like this. To children. And what's leading our nation? Who's leading our nation? Do we have to ask? God doesn't do that. It's demonic. It's evil. It's satanic. A spokeswoman in Florida for the Republican governor tweeted in early March that anyone who opposes the bill forbidding teachers from talking about gender identity or sexual orientation with students in early grades is probably a groomer, or at least you don't denounce the grooming of four to eight-year-old children, end quote. A A few days later, Fox News host Laura Ingram asked a national television, quote, when did our public school or any school become what are essential grooming centers for gender identity radicals, end quote. Speaking before a Tennessee House of Representatives in February, country singer star John Rich compared librarians who allow children access to graphic books to sexual predators. Adding, he believed, that there is a bona fide grooming taking place in the state's public school system. It's bona fide grooming. They're allowing it and encouraging it. He says, what is the difference between a teacher, an educator, or a librarian that does this kind of thing, or a guy who pulls up in a white van on the edge of the yeah. street in a school trying to coax a child into, the, into his van? So what is the difference? Yeah. A child can run from the van. Yeah. Really? They can't run from the teacher. You're right. You're right. The educator or the librarian. Why? Because we're sticking them in there. Teach Teach them. It's good. At least I'll have truth and peace in my day. Who cares if I sell out the next generation? It's a Hezekiah heart. It's good. It's all good. As long as it's good in my day. I don't care about the next generation. Other reasons for homeschooling increases. Same-sex locker rooms and bathrooms. Radical policies on hate speech. The church, I'm not telling you to get involved and I don't do this. I went to, we got some teachers in here It was there that day. We went to the board, the school board, when they're talking about adopting this policy. I signed my name. They said, if you want to say something to this board, sign your name. I signed my name. I was the first one they called. I called them out on all three of these things. And I said, can you assure me that our teachers are our students will not be disciplined in any way if a child wants to be called by a certain name or pronoun. I said, don't get me wrong. I believe in freedom. I do. And I support your right to believe anything you want to believe. That's America. If you want to believe that you're Elmer Fudd on a Bugs Bunny cartoon, I support your right to believe that. But it's wrong and it's discriminatory for you to insist that I leave the realm of reality and enter your world of make-believe and call you Elmer Fudd. And if I don't do that, I'm accused of being a hater and disciplined for a hate speech because I won't call you what you want to be called. They didn't answer the question directly. And can I tell you something? You can go to the board meetings, and they will promise you all kinds of stuff, but that still doesn't tell you what goes on behind that closed door in that classroom. A Gallup poll released in February found the record number of United States adults, seven 1% identify now as LGBTQ plus people. 7.1. Well, it used to be like one and a half, and then it went up to like 2%. Now it's 7.1. You know what that tells me? The agenda of the media is working. Yeah. They're convincing adults, well, this is what you are. 21%. of Generation Z, that's those born from 1997 to 2003, reporting that they are either lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or something other than heterosexual. Three times as many as the national average in this younger age group. You know what that tells me? That the campaign of the evil school system is working. Because those kids don't know but what you teach them. They're little sponges, and they're teaching them this garbage, Bubble this up. poison, and they're buying into it yes. to the tune of 21% of wow. gen, Generation Z. Now, I don't know if you homeschool, and I'm not criticizing you or praying, that's up to you, but I am telling you, if you're not, you need to get involved in the education system and And hold them accountable. I want to know. Part of the homeschooling is because they're on Zoom watching what their kids are being taught, and they're like, I had no idea. That's just it. You don't have any idea. Because if you don't get involved, I'm going to tell you right now, your kids are not going to tell you, mom and dad. When they come home, it's like, what did you learn? Stuff. Well, what did they teach you? Things Well what books, what kind of books? Hardbacks, softbacks? I mean, they're, they're not going to tell you. it may be embarrassing or they may, And maybe they themselves are like, that's stupid thats I'm not. But they're little sponges, yeah. and there's stuff getting in even though they're not aware of it. It's creeping in. Yeah. So you need to get involved because yeah. yeah. if it's trash in, it's trash out. Amen? And if you want them taught, bring them here. Because we're going to teach them the things of God. We're going to teach them things like "Mountain high, valley low, I'm going to sing wherever I go. Mountains high, valley low, I'm going to... Come on, now, that, that blessed me, boy. When I saw that, I was like, we have got to play that on Sunday. Now, among conservatives, there's on average, there's more than 20% of Christian conservatives' children being born towards liberals. And that's good news, 20% more. But it's good news if we make an accurate shot with our arrows. Because it doesn't matter how many arrows you have, if you don't use them, come on, if you don't prepare them, you don't teach them, you don't prepare them for what's coming, it's not going to make any difference. If you can't use them or if you can't hit the target with them. So you need to know what your target is. The armor, it's not the target. The enemy can create diversions that will waste all your shots shooting at things that don't matter. Because it doesn't matter how many arrows I stick into a shield of an armor or I stick into the, the extremities of an armor. If I don't hit the inside, the enemy that's inside the armor, I have wasted my shot So it doesn't matter if I only hit the extremities. You've got to find the chink in his armor. You've got to hit the enemy that's inside. And I'm not talking about hurting people. And I hope you understand that. I'm talking about identifying the fact that those people, they're not our enemies. It's the spirit. Because somebody's guiding them. Something's guiding them. It's that spirit that's guiding them. And you can't fight that spiritual battle in the natural realm. And if all you're doing is complaining about this and complaining about that, and, and I get around Christians and we do it all the time, and you don't realize it's a diversion and you're shooting, spending all your time, well, this and complaining about this and complaining about that, that's not how you win this battle. That's not how you win it. You spend hours and days watching Conservative TV—that's great. That's good. I don't—I'm not condemning those things. Go ahead. I do them sometimes myself. How much time do you spend before the throne of God, yeah. making intercession and prayer? How many time, How much time do you spend praying in the Spirit, the perfect will of God? Yeah. Come on, we got to learn these things and put them into practice. That's how you win this spiritual battle. You fight it in the Spirit. Now, I'm political. I'm very political. But I understand that the politics is just a manifestation of the spiritual warfare that's going on. I'm involved politically. As you know, I don't shy away from speaking out, (laughs) obviously. And I I encourage others to be involved politically. But politics is just the shield and the armor. The thing we need to do is hit what's inside and you do that by teaching your children and training them up in the way that they should go why because our battle is not political it's spiritual to hit the enemy in the heart we must not be distracted by the shield and the armor we have to find the chink and hit the heart so no matter what political battle that you're fighting no matter how active you are in the fight. You can march, you can attend rallies, you can carry signs, you can fill the Capitol Mall with more people than American history. You can call your representatives, you can run for office, you can hold seats in the highest positions in the lands. These are all conservative things and they are all good and I encourage you to do all of those things. They are good. But if Christ is not at the center of this matter, if Jesus Christ is not the center of it all, you're simply shooting at the shield and the armor. You're doing a lot of things in the natural, and they're good things. But you have to know what you know about the things of God. Yes. How much do you know him? I preached that the other day. Kada, kada, An intimate, real relationship with Jesus Christ. You can wound the enemy, but only the word of God hits the heart and kills the enemy. So in order to defeat our enemy spiritually, politically, and every other way, Jesus Christ has to be our battle plan. He has to be our bow, our arrow, our everything. He's our power. Why don't you stand with me if you would, please? When we understand that all of the issues that are arising by the enemy, things like critical race theory, the LGBTQ plus agenda, gender identity crisis, the reckless out of control spending, the socialist undermining of our democracy, the big government takeover strategy, forced taxes under the guise of healthcare force vaccines, voter fraud, and the list goes on. They're just diversions to draw your fire. Do you understand this? Are you understand what I'm saying? Those are diversions to draw your fire. These things are not merely the work of people. They are the directives of demon spirits that are inside the armor and that it can only be defeated by the word of God. Church, I I have a firm belief, if the church of Jesus Christ will turn off, and and I like watching people that give me hope, in a a natural sense, I do. I'm not saying don't watch it at all, but I'm like, if we would spend as much time in the word of God as we spend, in. it used to be Fox News, but I, I don't even have Fox News anymore, I don't have cable. I don't know what it is. Now, we have NDT, and it's, it's uh, epic time news. I don't know if you have epic time. If you don't, you get it. It's good. But I don't spend that much time in I watch it once in a while, just kind of get up to date with what's going on so that I'm relevant in our current events. Right here is where I like to spend my time. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this will beat the snot out of the devil every time. It's quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing us under the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. This discerns the intents of the heart. And if you've got a politician that's been raised in the house of God, been taught the things of God in a a political position, they will look at every situation and they will measure that on the scale of the word of God that's in them. And they will always come down on the right side of that. The word of God that has been engrafted in our children, children that have become adults, the adults that have seen the need to be involved on the front lines of this country, they will then know truth from lies because the one who is truth will be in them and he will guide them. This needs to be thoroughly understood, and it's our responsibility to make Jesus a center of our life and both by our words and our example to teach the same to our children. If you do that through homeschooling or however you do it, if you can't do that, I understand a lot of people can't do that. They have to send them to public schools. But get involved. And by all means... Get them involved in a God-centered, Christ-centered church where they can be taught the things of God. And the sooner the better. So no matter where the battle may be, whether it's in the White House, the courthouse, the church house, your house, or any house, Jesus is always the victory. The upcoming generation will fight a spiritual battle on a scale unlike anything that we have ever known. Their only hope of victory will depend on a relationship with Jesus Christ on a scale unlike anything we've ever known. In order for them to achieve that, it is up to you and it's up to me to live it so they can learn it. Because if we don't live it, they can't learn it. If you say, well, it's all good. Just so long as I have peace and truth in my day, so what if I sell out the next generation? Then everything that our forefathers has fought for, bled and died for, that's given us, that we have enjoyed, will be lost. Our children will be slaves. Our sons will be eunuchs in the house of the king. It's heavy, church, but we've got a responsibility. And every person that professes to be a Christian is in children's ministry. All of us. These little guys are watching us. Used to be a song, be careful little hands what you touch. Be careful little hands what you touch. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful little hands what you touch. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little mouth what you say. Be careful little feet where you go. Because the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful. And I think we ought to add another line. Be careful big feet where you go. Huh? Because the children around you are watching what you do. So be careful. Be careful, big mouth, what you say. Come on. Because the children around you, they're watching what you do. So be careful. Amen. We love our kids. We love our children. It chokes me up. We love our children. And can I just say one more thing that's going to sound self-serving? Allow me this, all right? I'm in here last Sunday, and them little kids come over there, and we love it. Let's come over there, and they're dancing around. People might think that's out of order. Listen, I believe that's heaven right there being demonstrated. I believe a, a day in heaven is like recess on the playground. I do. And you say, well, they're not really paying attention. Them little sponges is soaking it in, brother, believe me. Because they went to VBS and learned that little song, and he was living proof that it's soaked in. Because at VBS that he learned that, he was much smaller. How old is Levi? Five, he's five. He probably learned that when he was three or four, maybe. And the other day I'm over there, and Stephen and Jennifer's little one, that little blonde. What's her name, Lauren. Lauren. She come running up and gave Jeannie a hug. You know what I thought when I'm standing here? I'm like, we've got favor in that house, Jeannie. Didn't I tell you that? I said, we've got favor in that house. Jennifer and Lauren are teaching those children to respect their spiritual authority. Because in my lifetime, I've been in ministry a long time and I've had kids and they love Pastor B, they love Gigi. But something would happen, mom, dad get offended, next thing you know, the kids, they're not coming around Pastor and Gigi anymore. And you try to talk to them and they turn away from you. I'm like, what what was that about? They loved me. Now I'm the booger man. You know what that tells me? Mom and daddy's having Pastor B and Gigi for lunch and the kids are listening let me tell you something mom and dad you can have an issue with me you can come call me the most low down good for nothing but whatever i will value that i will not be angry with you i'll not hate you i will love you i will appreciate your honesty and we will work through it but don't curse your children by teaching them that the people that they should respect and submit to and honor are evil because when they grow up it's like i'm not going to church What's the point? The pastor is a this and that. Because that's what you're teaching them. Are you hearing me, church? That's not to say we don't make mistakes. We do. But we can, we, we come, when we come in here, we are all in here together. We rub on each other. We bump on each other. We exhort each other. Love each other. We irritate each other. Come on. But we learn through all of that what's acceptable, what's appropriate, what's good. All right? We learn what's not because we teach each other. But most importantly, we're teaching them little ones. Amen? Amen. We're in this together. Amen? Hunter, take us to the throne, brother. You just handed me notice. The school starts this Tuesday? I didn't know that. In Louisa. in Louisa, okay. Well, good. Father, we just come before your throne in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, according to your word, that we may approach your throne boldly to make our requests known to you because when we utter the name of Jesus, Lord, you've given us access to the throne of the king of the universe. And God, we come on behalf of our nation, Lord, God, we we come on behalf of those that's in political power, God, that makes the policies that guide this nation, Lord, those policies that affect all of us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just move on their hearts, God. God, that they would have a visitation from you, Lord. God, you would reveal yourself to them, Lord. Father, whatever barriers or obstacles stands in the way that prevents them from knowing you and knowing who you are, God, Father, we ask that they be torn down in Jesus' name. Now, God, as best as I can understand your word, you told us that whatsoever things we bind on the earth, they're bound in heaven. I understand that to mean that they're bound in the realm of the Spirit, God. And we understand and we have taught this morning, Lord, that there are principalities and powers that are working, Lord, in areas, God. And Father, in Jesus' name, we bind those principalities and those powers, God. Pull them down, God so that they no longer have influence and they no no longer have power, God. And Father, you said, whatsoever things we release on the earth, they are released in the realm of the Spirit. God, we release the Holy Spirit of God to go into those voids, God, and to speak to the hearts of those men and women that are making decisions, Lord. God, give them conviction, Lord. When they know that they're doing the wrong thing, Lord, and they're being pressured by maybe senior statesmen or whomever, God, or, 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 or they're being uh, influenced by money or, or, or lobbyists and, and those kinds of things, God, Lord, help them to stand firm in conviction and not be moved by those things, Lord. God, release your spirit in, in, the, in the capital seats, Lord, all across the states in this country, Lord, and in the nation, God, and, and in places around the world, Lord. Father, we pray for those that's going back to school this Tuesday right here in our county, God. Father, we pray for the teachers, Lord. Not every teacher is bought into this agenda. Lord, we had right here in this church Christian teachers that loved the Lord, God, and and they would do what they could to fight this battle, Lord, right there in the the school system, God. They were good teachers, and, and they did good things, Lord, and they were not a part of what I'm talking about this morning, God, and we know that there are others like them, Father. Lord, we pray for them, God, that you will give them influence, God. You will give them favor, Lord. Yes. Favor with the parents, favor with the students, God, favor with the faculty, favor with those that's in, in the school board, Lord, and in, in the state administration, God. Give them favor, Lord. Yes. And help them, God, to make the difference, what difference they can, God, in the midst of this corrupt and evil agenda that is being launched in our children. Our youngest, most innocent and and most influential among us God then Lord I pray for our church God Lord we will see the importance of investing the word of God in those children Lord and to do that we need to invest the word of the Lord in our own heart God draw us into that secret place with you Lord that we spend time with you that we may we may know you in a very real and intimate way so that we will have treasure, Lord, to invest into those children. God, be our center. Be our core, God. Do a mighty work, Father, I pray. Now, Father, if there's somebody in this room, Lord, and they don't know you, may you move in their heart right now. May they understand, Lord, if they were just simply trusting you, God, if they will call out to you, and say God come into my heart save me Jesus I repent of my sin I give my life to you then Lord you just transformed and changed them into a new creation I pray in Jesus name now Lord I speak a blessing over the body of Christ over every home that is represented here today God make that home a refuge Lord an, ex- an escape from the world God a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome strengthen the family God husbands love their wives, wives love their husbands, yeah. parents loving their children, yeah. God's siblings loving each other, yeah. encouraging each other, strengthening each other. Then Lord, I pray for those that's walking their journey alone, God. We were just talking, Jenny and I, about a young lady in our church, Lord. God, we're believing a good man, a good husband for her. Yes. Several of them, God. Lord, help them to find that person. I pray in Jesus' name. Now Lord, if they're happy just living their life by themselves, you be their mate. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Jesus, I come. only way to choose the gospel is free.